Well, good morning. We want to welcome each and every one of you this morning. Let's give uh, God a round of applause for the praise team this morning. Yeah. Appreciate Eric Clay j jumping in and joining in, and uh, yeah, it's fun times. And so uh, if you don't know me already, my name is Charles Gwynn. I'm the new associate minister here at Paradise Valley Christian Church. Larry, my father-in-law, uh, is out of town actually this weekend. He's at his 50th class reunion, and so uh, yeah, we're uh, praying. They're supposed to be coming back today, and so uh, should have a fun stories to hear as he uh, joins us again Next week, but uh, keep him and Udana and Austin in your prayers. This morning, as we continue in a series uh, called Be the Church, we want to continue to be excited about what God is doing in us and through us because it is the Holy Spirit's job to be alive and active in our lives. And as we look at this idea of Be the Church, this morning we're going to look at this idea of Be the Church that Learns. Be the Church that Learns. And I want to begin by looking at uh, an article written by the California Newswire Services, news partner, from February 25th, 2019. The article says, a driver on Interstate Highway 580 in the East Bay managed to rack up about $1,000 in traffic fines Monday afternoon with two speeding tickets in 11 minutes a California Highway Patrol spokesman said. The California Highway Patrol first stopped the driver of a 2014 Nissan Altima at 12.30 p.m. for traveling 90-plus miles per hour on westbound Highway 580 near Grant Line Road in the Altamont Pass, according to CHP officer Tyler Hahn. The same car was pulled over by a different officer 11 minutes later near Green... Greenville Road in Livermore for going 103 miles per hour, Han said. The CHP tells drivers to slow down after speeding or after handing out a speeding ticket, but and not to speed up, Han said. The tickets probably cost the driver $400 to $500 a piece. And I don't know about you this morning, but for me, I'm oftentimes a slow learner when it comes to different aspects of my life, and especially when it comes to the spiritual things, there's times in my life where I'm a slow learner, and I threw out this idea of where are you a slow learner? What area in your life are you a slow learner on Facebook? And here are some of the responses that I got. Math, slow learner. I, I, can, I understand that one. Electricity, for sure, slow learner. My dad always said, oh, it's, you know, you can just connect up outlets and if it's live yeah don't take the you don't you don't need to take the time to go check the you know circuit breaker and turn off the right one and that sort of thing and actually at the Berlin Berlin's house I tried to find the right circuit breaker just the other day to add an outlet in the downstairs bathroom I could not find it so I had to go ahead and just do it live real careful what not I was doing good all of a sudden I took the wire nut off and just enough it touched go oh, whoa yeah a little bit of a slow learner when it comes to electricity. Forgiveness, sometimes a slow learner. Loving my enemies, sometimes we're a slow learner. Maybe when it comes to electronics and computers and trying to figure out which remote does what and pushing the button and you say Alexa and it was actually Siri and she gets upset because you said Alexa instead of Siri, you know, and <laughs> there's this whole electronics slow, slow learner Maybe it's that it's not my job to fix everyone and everything. 
Maybe you're a slow learner in the area that my circumstances don't determine my attitude or joy. Maybe you're a slow learner when it comes to patience. And I really connected with this mom that said, especially with my kids, because there's many times that I tell myself, just be calm, be patient. They've asked the same question a hundred times, but just listen to them, try to respond in a way that is God, you know, shows the, the love of God. And then all of a sudden I blow up and I'm wondering, why am I such a slow learner in the area of patience? Or maybe it's our mouths. When it comes, what comes out of our mouths and the, may, the way it may cause hurt to someone else or even ourselves. Or maybe, I, I like this one, maybe we're slow learners sometimes when it comes to doing the healthy things in life. The things of eating right or doing, you know, some, some exercise and we kind of, we're slow learners in that area. Or slow learners when it comes to letting God take control or putting God first all the time and and a good friend of mine shared this one. The hardest lessons I have learned are the ones I learned too late. Kids are grown and gone. I learned the importance of time with them, but the page has turned. The regret of not listening to the Lord when I know he has called me to something. The time has passed and the door isn't open any longer. The lessons learned by a slow learner are painful when they're learned too late to put into practice. And this morning, as we look at this idea, be the church that learns, my prayer for us is that we are not slow learners when it comes to the spiritual aspects of God in our lives. We want to be ones that are ready to learn. We're attentive. We're on the edge of our seats. We're, we're in the front row of the class because we want to be a church that learns and so that we can grow so we can mature, so that we can live out our faith in a way that's pleasing to God. So if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we've been in uh, Ephesians as we've gone through this series on Be the Church. And in chapter 4, we looked at this idea of things that we need to have in common, the unity that comes together as the body of Christ. And last week, we talked about the different abilities and gifts that God has given each and every one of us individually, that when we come together, man, amazing, awesome, wonderful things can take place through the Holy Spirit's power working in and through each and every one of us. And as we get to verse 17 of chapter 4, this it's a call. It's a call. It's a challenge to not, be, not just be uh, content with the life that you're living spiritually. To realize that God is calling us to so much more. And as he begins in verse 17 of chapter 4, we read, So I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God 
in true righteousness and holiness. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, we are your students. We want to be clay in your hands. We want to be molded into the people that you want us to be. And so, Father, this morning, we humble ourselves before your throne room. May you be honored and glorified as we spend time together in order that we might go out and live lives that are pleasing in your sight. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us that we would be a church that learns or that we would grow and mature in order that you would be shown through our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The passage that I just read was from the New International Version, and I want to read it now from the message paraphrase. And so this is a paraphrase of this passage. Paul would say, And so I insist, and God's got my back on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every kind of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life, it has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it, and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. And we often refer to someone in this life that is maybe a little bit of a slow learner that kind of makes the same mistakes over and over, and a lot of times maybe they're doing it out of choice. And many times we call those individuals as being hard-headed. But here in Scripture, Paul says he refers to these individuals as being hard-hearted. And if you're taking notes this morning there in your bulletin or on your electric devices, electronic devices, you can write down the first thing that we as a church need to learn what a hard heart leads to. We need to be very careful not to fall into that same trap because you see, as Paul writes here, he says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. If you think about that, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, who is the large population of the church made up of? Would you say Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles, yeah. So he's saying, stop acting in a lot of ways like yourself, like the world. And I think about that as in comparison to us as Christians. We like to call ourselves Christians. But you think about the world that lives around us, they like to call themselves Christians. And so today, are we the ones that call ourselves Christians but don't actually live it out? Or are we ones that are trying to change, to no longer live the old way, to live a new life? And yet he's saying here, says, don't live any longer as the Gentiles do. And of course, the people he's talking to are Gentiles. And so are they in the same category? 
Are they in the same category as the pagans or the non-Christians or the non-believers? And we have to ask ourselves that question this morning as well, because then the next thing that shows up here is this idea of this futile thinking, that their thinking was futile, meaning worthless. Another word would be ignorant. And I looked this up, it says, lacking knowledge or awareness in general, uneducated or unsophisticated. And we live in a world that's so full of a desire to know stuff. Uh, this, I went, we went up to Montana, and we were having a conversation with my father, and as we were discussing different places we had been, we were talking about the tunnels that go under the ocean or underwater, and we were talking about how that's kind of freaky as you're driving along, and all of a sudden you're going down, and pretty soon you're thinking about water and gallon, you know, just all above you, and we were discussing, like, well, where did you go, and I thought we went in this tunnel, and no, we went in this, and so we had to look it up, you know, we had to Google it, because we want to know stuff in our society, and you think about the society that we live in that is hungering for knowledge, and yet the farther away from God we get, the more ignorant we become, and it says here in these verses, verse 18, that as they are darkened in their understanding, they're separated from the life of God. And as in any relationship, you think about someone that you were really close to, and maybe you had a, 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 a disagreement with them to the point where you really had a hard time uh, reconciling that relationship for whatever reason. I mean, my guess is in a situation like that, you were no longer close to them like you once were. You're separated from them. And as we think about our relationship with God, the more ignorant we become, the, heart, the, the harder our hearts become, the more that we get, become separated from the God that created us. We need to reconcile. We need to come close to him. We need to soften our hearts because otherwise we fall into the same category as the world around us that it also says the outcome of a hard heart is there's a loss of sensitivity. They can't get enough of the evil in this world, and, and that could mean a lot of different things. It, it could mean, you know, we're, we spend too much time watching shows or binging on Netflix or playing video games, or we can't get enough of maybe the alcoholic that just can't get, he just needs one more drink, or maybe the drug addict that needs just one more drag, or the one that's addicted to pornography that goes back time after time because they're, they don't get filled up. It's never enough. It's a continual lust, Paul writes here to the church, for more that never truly fills them up. And so this morning, the big question for us is, what about us? Are our hearts hard? Is your heart hard this morning? And maybe this morning you would say, well, no, I'm in church service. I'm, I'm wanting to do what God wants me to do and, and praise the Lord for that. But maybe we need to ask God that same question. And maybe your heart isn't hard in a general sense, but maybe there's different aspects of your heart that might be hard this morning. And so I just want to take just a moment of silence, and I just ask that you bow your head in this moment, and I just ask that you close your eyes, and I pray, I, I'd ask that you pray this prayer of, God, if my heart is hard at all, please reveal that to me. 
God, is my heart hard in any area of my life? Just take a moment and talk to God. So, Father, this morning, we don't want to fall into the trap of living like the Gentiles or living like the non-Christians. We want to live lives that are pleasing to you. And so, Father, if there are areas of our lives where our hearts are hard, maybe when it comes to having patience or being someone of accepting others, Father, if we need to show forgiveness in some area of our life, whatever might be holding us back, Father, we ask that you forgive us in areas of our lives where our hearts have become hard. And we ask, God, this morning that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts, that we would be more and more like your Son. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You see, this morning as we learn what a hard heart can result in, We need to realize that there's a need for getting rid of our old life completely. And so again, if you're taking notes, writing down that we need to learn the necessity of getting rid of our old life completely. Ephesians 4, 20 through 22 says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. God has done this supernatural change in my life when I was immersed into Christ, when I was baptized, and, and that allows me to be different. I die spiritually to my old self, and I'm raised to live a new life. This past Thursday, we had the privilege of sharing with Jessica. And Jessica made a decision that she wanted to surrender her life completely over to Christ. And so she went into the watery graves of baptism and died to her old self in order that she might have a new life. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. We don't have to live that same way. I'm forgiven of my sins. And according to Acts 2.38, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not like I was before. I don't have to give in to those same same temptations, and and it's frustrating. At least I know it is in my life. It's frustrating to constantly fall back into old habits, into old ways of life. And, And at times, we're very slow learners when it comes to those areas that we struggle with. But I want to encourage you this morning that here... I would say Paul may have considered himself a slow learner as well. He writes in Romans 7.15, he says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And a lot of times in life, We fall back into those same things that we know we need to get rid of. We know what's right. We know what needs to change. And yet we fall back into that old way of life. And that is part of the struggle, the battle that rages, the spiritual warfare that's going on. 
But the reality this morning is that we cannot allow ourselves to just settle back into that old way of life. I think about the idea of working hard out in the garden maybe, and maybe in this 90-degree heat, maybe not a lot of you have been out there, but maybe some of you have, and you've been out, and it's hot, and you're sweating, and, and there's dirt, and you're, you know, scooping, and, you know, trying to plant stuff that's not going to live maybe. I don't know if you're really good at it or not. I'm not. But you're, you're trying to work harder. Maybe you've had to be up in an attic in 90-degree heat, and, and I've been up in an attic before, and not in 90-degree heat, and it's hot up there, and you're trying to add recessed lighting or that sort of thing, and you're up there, and you're sweating, and it's dusty, and there's insulation, and you're itchy, and you get out, and all you want to do is just get cleaned off. You just want to take a shower and just feel that water pour over you, and you just want to be clean. And as Christians, man, that's what we're looking for, to be washed clean of our sins, the blood of Jesus making us whole again. And it wouldn't make any sense for us to then go to that dirty pile of clothes that we throw in the dirty clothes hamper and be like, well, yeah, these gross, sweaty, smelly socks, they they should be good for another, you know, a couple days. Let's throw those back on. What about this dirty shirt that that I had that's just completely rank with sweat smell? Let's throw that back on. No, that... That wouldn't make any sense, and the reality when it comes to our Christian walk is that it doesn't make any sense for us to do that, to to go back to the grossness of our old life. Even in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, most likely a familiar passage to some of you, Proverbs 26, verse 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And many of you probably that have had dogs have experienced the grossness of your dog going back to its own, like, throwing up. And you're like, oh, man, but at least they cleaned it up. I mean, that was kind of nice, you know. (laughs) But the grossness of that and what that would look like if we did that in our own lives. And that's what he's saying, that as we continue into a new life, if we go back to that, it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. And he compares it to a fool that repeats his folly. So how do we really put off our old selves, which are being corrupted by its deceitful desires? The old saying that's up on the screen, that I'm, I'm not saying exactly how it's up there, but dead fish float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim against the current. You see, a dead fish can float downstream just like any person can go along with the crowd. A dead one can just slowly make its way downstream, but it takes a live one, a live one, one that's been reborn in Jesus Christ to be able to go against the current that doesn't just give in to what everybody else is doing. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And let me translate that for you this morning. God made you alive, and you don't have to go along with the flow any longer. You don't have to go along and, and say, well, I, I couldn't help it, or, or everybody else was doing it, so, so I just did it. You don't have to do that anymore. You get to live a new life. It is when we learn to live a new life in Christ that we get rid of our old lives 
for good. Which brings me to the third thing this morning, that we as a church, we need to be a church that learns how to live a new life in Christ. In order for us to do that, it's going to require a change of mind. Here, even in this passage of Scripture in Ephesians, Paul says again, he says, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If we're going to learn how to live a new life in Christ, our minds have got to change. Romans 12, 2, as, Paul, as uh, Todd read this passage earlier, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 is another passage of scripture that you might be familiar with. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's, see, it's when we spend time in God's word, studying and memorizing it, our brains physically change when we learn something new new synapses are formed and i want to read an article called the renewing of your mind rewire your brain for change by dr keith e webb he says you can't teach an old dog new tricks well maybe we all know how difficult it is to change we get set in our ways Neuroscientists used to explain our difficulty in learning new tricks by saying the brain didn't change during adulthood. Our brains, they thought, are wired to do what we've always done. New research shows our brains can change. We can rewire them. Your brain is like a circuit board with impulses shooting from neuron to neuron along pathways called synapses. Let's try it. So if I say chocolate, what comes to mind? Yum or maybe gross maybe or maybe let's eat or where can I get some? And the thought of chocolate started in one neuron and it, it shot across a synapse to your response neuron. And synapses are like muscles. The more you use them, the bigger they grow. And the trouble is, is our thinking forms ruts like deep ruts in a road. And when, you're, when the synaptic pathway is well-formed, it's difficult to respond a different way. It's kind of like when you're steering a car on a road that it's been really raining a lot and really muddy and, and there's ruts and now it's dry and now you're trying to drive down that same road. It's hard to get out of those ruts. But the solution neuroscientists say, is to form new pathways and strengthen and enlarge those preferred thoughts. In other words, change your mind and literally grow your brain. And in Bible college, we learn the definition to repentance as a change of mind that requires a change of action. You see, when we're allowing God to really begin to change our hearts and our minds, then our actions then soon follow. Keith goes on to write, stop it. Doesn't work. You see, I like that concept of just being like, stop it. 
But that isn't always how it is going to happen. You see, when you focus on stopping doing something, you are still sending impulses along the old pathway, strengthening it further. The more you focus on that pathway, even negative attention, the stronger it grows, thus making change all the more difficult. And so we really need to go from to two. And again, the Bible helps. And look at the pattern of turning from something to something better. As we read again in Ephesians, you were taught to put off your old self, which being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The pattern is significant. Move from what you want to change to how you want to be. The key is to focus on the new thought or the new behavior to strengthen the new neural pathway, or as the Bible says, renew your mind. And so I want to close by just encouraging you with three steps to change and grow your brain. The first one is recognize. Recognize what thought or behavior behavior would you like to change. Maybe write it down. What do you want to move from? What reasons do you have to change at all, and why change now? And then refocus. What would you like to change? What would you like to change it to be? And be specific. Write it down. What would it look like if you made that change? How will you know when you've achieved it? Set set a goal. And then the third, revalue. What benefits will you receive from the new? What will change? How will you feel? What will make this change worth it? And of course, in the midst of all those things, it's obviously not you that's going to make the change. It's you with the Holy Spirit's power working through you that you begin to change your heart, to change your mind. Change means renewing your mind, starting with making a decision to move from something then focusing attention to a new way of being until the new way forms a strong pathway. This morning, as the praise team comes, if you've been holding on to a hard heart, Paul insists that you soften your heart to put off your old self, be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self. If you need to surrender your life, For the very first time to Christ, we'd invite you to come. As we sing a song of commitment, a song of invitation, if you need to get right with God for the very first time, don't wait another day. Today is the day of salvation, God's word says. If you need to come because you know you haven't been living the life that God has called you to live, that you keep falling back into the old way of life, I would encourage you to step forward and say, man, I need some prayer. I need to recommit myself to the commitment I made to Jesus a long time ago. And I need to start living the new life with the new mindset in order to be pleasing to God. And this morning, if you need to come and place your membership with this body of believers, that you can get plugged in and be a part of what's going on here, we invite you to come as we sing. Will you stand with us?